I'm kidding. Sort of. Good I to don't be know. back. Yeah, right? Good to be back. <laughs> um, I guess I should try to start this. Um, yeah, I have it recording, so um, oh we should, we're good to go. <laughs> okay. Fuck. Um... Welcome to the Bucket Problem National Championship Special. I don't know what episode number this is because I deleted it off the uh, the Google Doc that I hadn't opened in over a year. But uh, the whole gang's here, and uh, we we had to do this. Um, uh, enough of us wanted to lay down a, a recording after Michigan uh, once again won the national championship in football in case you have been uh, hibernating. And we are all tremendously excited. I am a Sandbender. I am joined by all of the co-hosts, Alex, Connor, Dan, and Taylor. Um, this, this one's an indie uh, pod. You're probably listening to this on SoundCloud, if I had to guess. Um, but uh, I still want to give a little shout out to Homefield for uh, always being our sponsor. So we're, uh, we're very comfortable with uh, being indie, much like the Michigan Wolverines have gotten comfortable being indie themselves. Absolutely, the championship game. <laughs> Hell yeah! Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, we're. Gonna... We, I mean, no, we do want to, and we want to say, I mean, you know, our our sincere. Um, I this this podcast is recording before the Purdue Indiana game, um, so. You know, our sincere, sincere congratulations to Homefield Apparel uh, for what I'm sure was a decisive and <laughs> and uh, a great victory for the good brand. Um, uh, That's yeah, the last by... time basketball will even be alluded to on this episode. <laughs> I'm hearing some yeah, great no. things about Mike Woodson. I think he can really turn things around there. <laughs> uh, we are in no position to fire. <laughs> I don't know what college basketball is. <laughs> yeah, talking about at all. Yeah, do, I think I think Mike Woodson and Juwan Howard are both. Just one more five-star wing, bro. Just one more. Just give me one more five-star one-and-done wing away from, you know, making some real noise in the Big Ten. All right. That was our first big upset of the podcast <laughs> is naming Juwan Howard and Mike Woodson before uh, Jim Harbaugh, Sharon Moore, and Jesse Minter. Um, we have no idea who the coach is going to be next year. At the moment, I'm not sure any of us particularly care that much because, uh, again, Michigan won a national championship. It's going to be a while for that to wear off. Um and uh yeah i mean i personally plan to be the most unbearable version of me for a, at least a full calendar year and uh possibly much much longer than that um so let's get started as is tradition with big moods um Dan, since you were the least prepared, I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, as is tradition. Yes. Uh, yeah, no. So I guess my big mood is just, it I still doesn't really feel real for me. Um, I, I've been just, I don't know, like it, 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 it really hasn't, it hit me, obviously. Like I've, I've been living this reality for, you know, the last week plus now. Um, but, it's it's something that I don't really think I ever let myself seriously consider Michigan winning a national title. Um, I don't think even really I talked about it too much. It's it Ohio State was always you know the big hurdle, um, and making to the playoff always felt like 
you know, and then obviously this year that wasn't the case because making the playoff didn't, you know, doesn't feel um, as satisfying when you've done it three straight years. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I don't know. It, 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 I can't believe they did it. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's true. It's a surreal experience. Um, I'm so glad I've gotten to, you know, share it with, uh, you know, both my real life friends and family and my internet friends, um, and revel in the tears of my enemies, obviously. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's really, I mean, even more, let, let's cut the crap even more so than, you know, people I love and, and, and cherish, you know, being able to enjoy that with them, um, being able to just like pull up, you know, receipts on Twitter and, and just being an un, absolutely unbearable asshole for, I mean, we're not, uh, we're not naming any names here, but you know who you are. And you yeah, know yeah, you yeah. Are. I mean, we're absolutely not above this. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, I mean, that, that's that been I, the best part. <laughs> yeah. I, I've looked at, uh, I've taken a peek ahead at everybody else's uh, big moods here to make sure I'm not stepping on anyone. And I, I will say that one of the most absolutely delightful aspects of really this entire season, or at least uh, most of the season, has been watching Michigan and Ohio State swap football fan bases, basically. <laughs> um, but in like, and I don't, you know, Michigan fans are going to take that badly. I mean, Michigan all of a sudden became the people who went, we don't care. We're winning. <laughs> and also all the things that everybody is complaining about in terms of cheating uh, uh, doesn't matter. It's silly. Um, the NCAA isn't real. All of those things, which are which is all absolutely correct, by the way. That is the correct way to go about being a college football fan. I want to uh, underline your point there, Ace, because like I I've said multiple times throughout this season, that back in their halcyon days, uh, which are currently behind you, Buckeyes fans, um, <laughs> they like their response to everything, absolutely everything, was "What are you going to do? Cry about it? Scoreboard? You going to complain about where the ball was spotted five years ago?" Like that was their thing for so long, and watching them just like be in agony because of their like special. They team cried sport. about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they cried about it. They absolutely did, and it's been glorious. Yeah, yeah, they're uh, all talking about like, oh, the, these wins will be vacated eventually. This championship will be vacated eventually. Like, <laughs> this goes so far beyond the normal like hater mentality of of all our enemies. Um, because of the whole scandal, like when we step up to the podium, the championship podium, hold the trophy, and be like, these players overcame so much adversity. They they just can't handle it. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, I mean, part of that adversity adversity, and it is legitimate adversity for a football team to go through yeah was that they they didn't have their head coach for almost half the freaking season uh they had four different people serving that role which i mean was a gimmick at the beginning of the season but thank god they tried that <laughs> it, it, it also like it, it was i mean i don't know if we need to rehash all of this but i just want to point out that it's been understated it's the first time in like 150 years of college football that a conference actually did anything about anything like that's <laughs> That was so unprecedented, and it represents real adversity. Like more to the point, to be more positive, it's like Michigan did deal with just this deeply bizarre conflict of circumstances, and they made every single hater deeply angry and deeply sad, and that is something to cherish. Yeah, and if you are holding your breath as a rival fan for the NCAA to step in and take away a national championship, uh, based on when you dig into the NCAA rulebook, a technicality. Um, keep dreaming, keep on dreaming.
Uh, I mean, there might be something coming down on Michigan, but it, it's not going to be that. It, it is not going to satisfy uh, rivals. And even if they, even if they did, I would first of all be, I would completely switch the arguments I've been using and and pretend that you know it didn't happen. But that wouldn't satisfy <laughs> you. Like that wouldn't make you feel better. You no, know, it, still, it, no. It, I mean, honestly, like I, I think the thought experiment to do is to think about like. Would we respect Notre Dame fans for saying that Reggie Bush didn't actually win all those games at USC? Do we respect? The Which, rare... by the way, the answer is no. <laughs> right, the answer is no, and it's like. But almost, I think. Well, I would. I would. Yeah. I, I. Oh, yeah. No, I guess I would because it's because they're Notre Dame fans, not because of any of the you know validity <laughs> yeah, of the arguments. Of the actual arguments. Right, it's purely Notre Dame. But like, it. I mean, my point is like, I, it almost in college sports, it adds almost like an edge to your victories when the NCAA comes along and mall cops them away, right? Like it almost adds an element of coolness. Nobody's taken away the Auburn Cam Newton title. Um, And, you know, it's an ongoing investigation. Um, Taylor, what's your big mood? Yeah, um, segueing onto that, um, all of this is future Taylor's problem. This is not current Taylor's problem. (laughs) Um, Current Taylor... uh, her team won a national championship. That is the present in which I am living. My therapist has told me um, to live in the present and that's what I'm doing. Um, So would, do you really want me to go against the advice of my mental health professional therapist? I don't think you do. Um, I think it is um, a delight that Michigan won a national championship um, as a Buffalo sports fan, as many of you remember and recall, Um, I don't know what that's like. I don't know (laughs) what this is supposed to be like. Um, It's really cool. I'm having a great time. I am reveling in the tears of my enemies, as has been said. Um, But anything that comes down in the future is future Taylor's problem. Um, I mean, my mom even texted me. She's like, the entire offensive line declared for the draft and you know what that's future taylor's problem they'll be fine yeah Um, it's fine and i mean i i it's future taylor's problem and i know that's short-sighted and i know that's not the way that i will approach it in the ncaa video game um (laughs) but that that this is not that video game um i am not petitioning congress to um limit the rights of uh of my labor uh i am in the here and now. And that is kind of what is so exciting about this and what has been so thrilling because there, there what else is there to say? There is active uncertainty and anyone, and I'm sorry, anyone who is like very deeply worried about like what is going to happen with Jim Harbaugh and seems like all of a sudden like shocked and like clutching pearls that he wants to go to the NFL. He's, he's wanted to do that forever. We do this, this is every year. <laughs> he does this every year. And like, it's not like a bunch of other guys are coming back for them to do this again. So like, we knew this was coming, like, and it's not on Ward Manual, um, as incompetent as he might be. It is not on like anyone else. It is simply just like, ugh, it is just how Jim Harbaugh operates and he's probably going to get a job this season. So while that means yes, there will be a tempering of expectations and there will be a little bit of, um, you know, a couple, a couple, you know, dishing it, taking it situations where I'm going to have to, um, you know, answer for some of the slander that I have done. Um, You're not living in the moment, Taylor. You're, you're thinking about the future. No. <laughs> right. But again, it's, it's not my problem right now. Um, that is future Taylor's problem. And 
all of the, you know, the shirts are printed, the, the graphics are made. Um, Michigan won a national championship and anything that um, you want to say about it being a legitimate national championship or blah, 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 blah. I don't care because like, that's not my problem right now. And it probably will continue to not be my problem. Um, even as Michigan may potentially have to rebuild next year. Like I, I simply, yeah, they won, they won, they won the game. Like it was right. the entire point of the, of the game as it exists is to win national titles. And that they did that. Like it's, it's, it's so in, and just like taking a second to appreciate just like how incredibly hard it is to do, you know, as like not Georgia and Alabama is yeah, it, it, it's unbelievable. And they did it. And like, that's, that's it. Like it doesn't have to be anything more than that. Like that's the, that's the pinnacle of the sport. Exactly. And, yeah, and, and like, there's no, there's nothing that I'm going to worry about. Like beyond this. I also just want to say like, no one is questioning the legitimacy of the championship anymore, except for like a tiny number of Spartan and Buckeyes fans that are on the internet. Like that, that just, I have that message for anyone who's listening. Like that, no... that, that's true. It is, a, <laughs> it is a internet based, uh, uh, delusion. In like it's all that you guys movie. don't work with any Michigan state grads, because I can tell you that it's a real life. <laughs> as well. Um, but yeah, f- future Alex, I mean, when Michigan takes the field again in September, I'll start thinking about next year's team, but for now, <laughs> enjoy finally reaching the pinnacle of the sport after being a fan for my whole life, like 25 years. I haven't seen this kind of success, like really the last three years, but to reach that crowning moment in the national championship, it's, it's going to last for a while, but the glow hasn't worn off and it's not going to. Yeah, I, I also love the take a moment to appreciate that this podcast we've cut out a beautiful arc as a podcast. We started as a podcast about how we thought Michigan was going to go like six and six in the 2021 season. And now we're here to, uh, doing like beautiful mindfulness messaging. Uh, and that's like <laughs> that's just a great like we've come a long way, folks. I, I do want to mention here that since the launch of uh, this podcast and the accompanying website, um, Michigan is 3-0 and against Ohio State with three Big Ten titles, three playoff appearances, and a national championship. So you are all welcome. Um, Connor, that, I, I, I think this transitions beautifully into your big mood. Yeah, I mean, we did it, first of all. It's entirely us. Like, sorry, Mike, Mike Samerstall. Sorry, Will Johnson. Sorry, J.J. McCarthy. It was all us. All <laughs> um, but uh, so what I realized in retrospect, I was trying really hard to find something original to say. Um, and it's hard in the wake of a national championship. Um, so you go back to your own experience. And what I realized was this all happened at the exact right moment in my life because I'm old enough to have perspective. I'm 33. I've done the suffering. All of us here have suffered. And there is something important about that. Like I will, I will use as a case study. There is some like 19 year old kid who's currently at Michigan, who was never a Michigan fan before this. And this was like their introduction to Michigan fandom was this season. And God bless you. Like, enjoy it. Hangovers will, will hurt more in the future. So like <laughs> make the best of it now. Um, and I'm happy for that kid, but there is something, you know, there is something sort of deeper, right. About having done the suffering we've all done, the things that we've seen, the misery that we've chosen to inflict on ourselves as sports fans Oh yeah, and to get here, you know, so I'm old enough to have some perspective on it. Um, but I'm also don't have a ton of responsibilities. I don't have kids, for instance, um, I was able to just throw myself into fandom during this run. And I had shoulder surgery the day before the Penn state game. So the day before Michigan's first big game of the year that we were all 
on pins and needles about because it was the height of the scandal discourse. We didn't know it was going to happen. The team found out they were losing Jim Harbaugh as they were landing, and then they still thought they would get him back with an injunction, which didn't end up happening. So just like chaos, I'm whacked out on opiates the entire time. <laughs> um, I am giving off bad, bad vibes during that game, despite the opiates, which is kind of an achievement, really. Um, but we did it, you know, and one thing I don't think I've mentioned anywhere is that I was worried before the Washington game because before the Penn State game, the Ohio State game, the Alabama game, I had an extremely vivid dream in which Michigan lost that game the night before. And I went through all of the emotions I would have felt in real life if they lost it. Then I woke up and they won. And there's just something, it, it all sort of came together for me to throw myself into this season. And as much as Michigan winning a national championship under any circumstances would always be a huge moment in my life, there was just something like the gravity of my life just got, you know, totally sucked into this team. And I was deeply worried it would all go wrong. I mean, when, when Rod Moore sealed the Ohio state game, I jumped around and screamed a bunch as you'd expect, uh, including yelling some very unkind things at the Buckeyes on the TV as they were leaving the field. But more importantly, then I slouched into a chair, just exhausted. And my dad said, you know, I've been worried about you. <laughs> this has clearly been affecting you. And it's like, yeah, I needed this to happen because everything had just stopped in my life. I had a busted shoulder. And I couldn't countenance, you know, having everything go into the season that could be perfect and having it fail. But it didn't fail. It didn't fail. We got there. And we got there through a lot of suffering, through, I mean, the, the players and the coaches did the actual hard work. But, hey, as podcasters, we put in some work, too, and uh, overcame our own adversity, um, <laughs> like with the, getting Zoom calls organized and stuff like that. You know, being wrong all the time. <laughs> being wrong all the time. Like, Just even constantly. In 20, yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, totally. So but I, spiritually I right. Spiritually <laughs> always been right. Um, but I'll stop rambling and just say, like, there are so few times in your life when everything in your entire life and it's seemingly your entire existence sort of just flows into the perfect moment. And the moment actually is perfect. And that's what happened. And I don't know how to reckon with it, but it is a beautiful thing. Yeah, well said, man. I mean, you know, I've said my piece a little bit and I'll say a little bit more in a moment on uh, kind of where this hit me in my life but um, I think a lot of people have experienced this as you know part of a long arc and this is the culmination I mean the, the, this is what you do this for and um, I don't think you know this hasn't been the easiest period of time for a lot of people and um you know as as silly as it may seem at times uh sports really can bring us together in a way that few things do and uh in a national title run i mean i i know i was uh in contact with more people than i've probably been in contact with in years uh, just because of, uh, you know, every group chat popping off about Michigan and and everyone wanting to talk about this and enjoy it. And that was uh, a huge part of what made this really special. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Alex, your big mood. Yeah, real quick before I get into my big mood, um, you talked about the long arc of fandom, and I'm just reminded, like, I was a kid, I, both of my parents went to Michigan, we had season tickets growing up, I was a huge fan, I always wanted to go to college there, 
And uh, my four years on campus were the four years of Brady Hoke. So to go from that, which, you know, I, I had some good memories um, with sports <laughs> during my time at Michigan, most mostly basketball, but yeah. the Notre Dame game and the Sugar Bowl my freshman year, those were, those were pretty special. And the Ohio State game, of course, that year was cathartic in its own way. But <clears throat> yeah, I mean, five and seven, uh, you know, firing our coach and then turning to Jim, who, you know, throughout the fall of my senior year, we were kind of like talking amongst my friends, including like an Ann Arbor cohort of friends that were like, you know, could this really happen? Could we really lure Jim Harbaugh back from the pros to Michigan to fix the program and save us and deliver us to greatness and wound up happening. Um, It was, it was a long time, but uh, yeah, the big mood that I wrote in our Google doc was um, etching this team into history and avoiding eventual goldfish brain. (laughs) So etching this team into history, yeah, we're talking a little bit about Michigan history, but um, I mean, the, it, this team has like reached the rarefied air of the 1997 team, which has been talked about reverently for as long as I can remember. So I think, you know, we have just witnessed the peak of Michigan football in the modern era, which, you know, after World War II, after integration, um, to see this run of success from 2021 to 2023, uh, it's the top. Can't beat it. I mean, I, I think back to my own memories. Like I watched the 2022 game in the shoe. Um, I went to plenty of games over these last few years. Even like the 2021 Nebraska game, um, I went there with my girlfriend and we were in the stadium and like that was a kind of a nervy back and forth game. And, you know, in hindsight, you know, who who cares? It's just a small part of the story, but what the 21 2021 team built um that season has has carried over and you know the the group of guys that came back after the TCU loss i think that was a huge part of of this team's story is um i if we beat TCU in that game and we lose to Georgia there's a good chance that the uh, Chris Jenkinses and Zach Zinters and Blake Corums might go pro but you know they all came back and yeah they made it happen they and the, the way that the season unfolded was so poetic too, like nine games of like absolute nonsense against garbage teams, um, <laughs> including the Connor Stallions uh, scandal, um, Benghazi for college football, uh, the Penn State game. Jim gets suspended on the way there. Um, two weeks later, we beat Ohio State, take care of the most comical Iowa, like most Big Ten West team ever to take the field. Um <laughs> And then, yeah, Alabama and the Rose Bowl. Like, come on, that's it's perfect. Nick Saban's last game, like the story. Yeah. Itself. Nick Saban's last game really is is that that's that's one that I don't know that even that's even sweeter maybe than like some of the I don't know. That's crazy. That's crazy that that, that happened. Yeah, yeah. that's part and of that's it. That's so validating for this team. You know, Georgia didn't make the playoff, but they beat Nick Saban. <laughs> counts for a lot. Yeah, no. It, in terms of the way it played out. um, you know, I, I I think like the perfect hypothetical Michigan season, you'd probably throw Notre Dame in there in the non-conference, both for boredom reasons and to wipe out all of your rivals in one year. But uh, they're jerks and they don't want to be on the schedule. So fuck them. They're afraid. Uh, <laughs> they're yeah. afraid of us. We all know it. Um, uh, I would be too if I were them. But yeah, yeah, the other part of my big mood, um, avoiding eventual goldfish brain, like 
the national championship has gone from the headlines. You know, it's not leading SportsCenter on ESPN anymore. Um, the news cycle has moved on. People are talking about Jim. Where's Jim going to go? Is he going to go to the pros? Um, I, I'm just trying to avoid that goldfish brain and just like not think about, okay, who's who's the new coach going to be? Is Jim going to leave? Like, oh, what is the new staff going to look like? Oh, who's transferring in and out? Oh, what what is the recruiting going to look like? Oh, who's QB1 for spring practice? Like, oh, we're number 18 in the polls heading into next year or whatever. Like, I don't care about any of that right now. Like, the national championship game happened a week ago. And uh, I feel like it's kind of our tendency to look look to the future a little bit um, with sports, with college football. And, you know, Michigan hasn't reached these heights in a long time and frankly may not reach them again soon. But um, what an end of an era. And I'm excited for the future of college football. Like, I don't really have much of a choice. Like, I'm trying to see the silver linings and, you know, whatever the new staff will look like, I'll be happy to um, support them, hope for the best. But yeah, I just, you know, we made it, we did it. I don't want to like have that pass in two days and get back to being like, Oh, is this 2027 QB recruit going to visit us? Like, no, that's, that's that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. Dan's already there. Yeah. Recruiting board mindset. It's, it's not good. Just one more five-star Michigan QB who clearly wants an SEC bag, bro. Just one more. We'll be- <laughs> it's going to happen, dude. Bryce Underwood, yeah, that, that, that recruitment's not over, all right? <laughs> Listen, if we bring in Brian Kelly, it could happen. Oh, yeah. God. I, uh, yeah. For the record, I hope that Sharon gets a job. But, um, again, that's tomorrow's problem. Like, just yeah. enjoy the national championship. Like, And, again, so many guys that are taking the next step into the NFL. Like, I'm excited to see – who JJ McCarthy gets drafted by. Like I'm excited to see these guys play on Sundays and hopefully use their experience at, uh, at Michigan to, to build into long successful NFL careers. Listen, um, I just, I just want to say the last time the Detroit lions drafted a blonde, beloved Michigan superstar, it went really well for them. So I'm just throwing that out there, folks. Sorry. That's a good idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just, the mood is great right now. The vibes are immaculate. Um, I don't want to get lost into like, what does this team's or program ceiling look like on, without Jim Harbaugh here? It's like, I don't care. I don't care. Let's just live in the moment. Let's enjoy it. We waited our whole lives as fans to witness a team like this. And like, I don't want to move on a week or a month or even six months after like next season will come around. And I'm really excited for um, the the number of marquee matchups we'll see. I think, no matter who the coach is, um, USC and Washington might get might get pushed around a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's just you know we'll we'll take that when it comes. Like over the summer, I'll start to get excited for next season again. But um, I'll think back to this team for for a long time. Absolutely. All right. Um, it's my turn. Going to try to not get too deep in the feelings here, but um. Uh, you know, I've been going to games since 1994. Um, if you read the piece I wrote for MGO blog, um, that published on Tuesday, um, I've talked about how that was a very formative experience and that, you know, my 
my dad was, you know, the person who introduced me to Michigan football and got me going to games and um was using that to get me to want to go to Michigan and it 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 fucking worked. Um I mean when I was applying to schools uh in high school um there was never really much question about where I was going to go. Uh, once I got into Michigan, I put my feet up. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, uh, it was hard for me to imagine being anywhere else. Uh, and this was the first year that I've taken in as a fan since 2010, uh, my senior year of college. And, um, even before that, you know, kind of the natural path of life, I'd mostly drifted away from watching games at home because you go watch it at friends, you know, it was, you know. Watching games with your parents isn't that cool in high school. It doesn't feel like it anyway. And um, you know, I had a falling out with my dad when I was at Emco Blog, um, and we were able to reconcile this year. And um. Put a lot of stuff behind us. Um, and, you know, in 1997, we watched pretty much every game together. Um, we were at the Ohio State game for, you know, Charles Woodson winning the Heisman. Um, our whole neighborhood. Our, our whole street got together um, to watch the national championship game. Um, and those are about as vivid a memories that you can form as a 10 year old for me. Um, and, you know, over the last year I've had to get used to not working which can be pretty um, jarring and you can feel pretty aimless and um, kind of sucked to, to be honest in a lot of ways um, and especially since it came hand in hand with uh, the extremely lengthy process that is still ongoing of applying for uh, disability. Um, but this team provided something that I could hold on to and look forward to and being able to experience games as a fan um, was awesome. Um, you know, especially with this team 
um you know i've i've loved covering michigan sports i've loved writing about it it's also great to not have to think about writing a recap at the end of a game um and not sitting there taking notes the whole time and maybe being able to pick up a drink <laughs> and uh for the rose bowl uh, as i mentioned on the site uh or on emco blog in the in my post um uh two of my closest friends from childhood uh were in town and was able to watch that game with them and it was uh, as much fun as i couldn't could have hoped um but uh you know the timing of the national championship game those aren't the holidays anymore so um it just kind of worked out I, I i wasn't even sure if my my parents were gonna watch the whole game because they're you know in their 70s and uh they're usually in bed before the night games kick off but they were really excited to watch this game and um as i went through my options for where to watch the game it just it wasn't even a question when it came to the day of and um being able to take that in with my dad meant an incredible amount um and then having people say that uh, that they appreciated me and my work and the national championship made them think of me um it made it so it didn't feel like i had missed out on covering this team and in fact you know things had really worked out um in a lot of ways and to cap it off um you know a couple days after the game was over you know we were you know you you won't be surprised to hear that the soup chat was very active through all these games um and it's so uh, funny that we still call it that oh yeah i mean we should definitely stop calling it that but it's 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 a brand <laughs> and we own uh, our mistakes that's that's the beauty of it yes uh and that was that was another just delightful part of this um season was really being able to engage with um you know my friends during during the games and not just kind of catching up after once i was done working um and you know a couple days after the national championship uh you know, I've been um you know, I obviously I left MGO blog uh a few years ago and um 
I honestly hadn't really engaged with the site at all since I left. Um, there's more that goes into that than I can possibly cover here. And a lot of it is hopefully water under the bridge at this point, but I just wasn't really in a good place to, to be there. And, um, so it, it, it caught me off guard a little bit, uh, when, Alex and Dan and Connor, uh, you know, messaged in the group chat saying, you should listen to the last segment of the MGO podcast. Um, so if you're glad that, that, you know, that that all came together the way that it did um it's because of the people here on this podcast and um and that's really been for me the most special part of this national championship season has been able to is being able to um, feel like things have come full circle in a lot of ways and to be able to write about that um, to have it go up at MGO blog um, where I spent you know really meaningful 10 years of my life um, you know uh, I just want to say thank you. I mean, I'm just really appreciative, um, both to my co-hosts here and everybody who's listening. Um, yeah, the the messages meant a lot, and um, I don't think. You know, as as the guys said on the on the Amco Block podcast, um, there's only one school that has a place like that, and that's kind of been. I, I mean, this is a spinoff of Amco Blog. Every Michigan, everything is a spinoff of Amco Block. Um, and. To be a part of that um, is is really special, and and to be able to reconnect there after the national championship really um, it just put a capstone on what has been my favorite season because. Uh, you can't appreciate a year like this when you're 10. All right. I'm going to try to pivot. Uh, <laughs> Real quick, that was really nice. Ace. That was, uh... Yeah, that was lovely. Real quick. I also want to thank you um, for helping me get 
a part-time gig with MGoBlog back in, shoot, what is it now, 2014. Um, you and I have been friends for a long time. And yeah, yeah, I think uh, the MGoBlog era, like you're a big part of MGoBlog's story. MGoBlog is a big part of your story. And uh, to see that come together um, like it did and to kind of see it from both sides, you know, I'm in MGoBlog's Slack, I'm in the soup group. I see... Um, I see a lot and the uh, double agent. <laughs> double agent, yes. Um yeah, I I'm really happy for you, man. I think uh, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I don't I, I don't have to think Ace has never gotten me a job. Um so <laughs> not hey, really we, something. Dan, you and I technically were part of an MGO blog podcast for a while. Uh we should That is tech that is very much true. That is very <laughs> much true. No, Ace, that was beautiful. Uh sorry. Yeah, beautiful. I I don't really have any value beyond like breaking, you know, tension with comedic relief. That's sort of my whole deal. That's not true. <laughs> I think Ace could put in a good word, word with uh, Brian to attest for your work. <laughs> yeah, what would I write for MGo Blog? That's that's hard to imagine. I mean, anyway, I, I I think there was a Michigan State concept that we kicked around for uh, uh, me to field that would maybe uh, <laughs> would maybe work. Yeah, no, Dan Dan wrote some stuff. It was I did, yeah, I did, I did write, I I did write Green and Spite uh, preseason. Super right, the the rightest, the most right I've been in a long time about football was Man. just a, an art, an entire article about how Michigan State's offense is going to suck this year. It was thorough to the point of like, you, you were in their walls, man. It, it rocks. Uh, and their heads. And their I love heads. that we've had such a good season that we haven't like spent any time on the fact that we beat the absolute ever-loving shit out of Michigan State in historic manner. And we're just like, yeah, that was another good thing that happened. We're, but we're you back know what? to tradition. That, yeah. That's how it should be and how it was. Michigan beat the ever-loving crap out of them in 1997, too. Uh, if I remember yeah. correctly, they had five interceptions. Might be six. Um, it's someone who was in the stands for the first time in East Lansing for that game. I assure oh, you, man. I have not forgotten about it. <laughs> wow. Uh, that is a great time to be in enemy territory. Uh, and that's a great time to pivot to our second segment because uh we don't have an ad break because uh we're indie right now um uh, <laughs> but do gamble responsibly still yes yes as always gamble responsibly uh <laughs> um, actually we, no one has no one's paying us we don't have to do any disclaimers anymore you don't have to gamble responsibly you can, you can yeah you can now now that we're not getting sponsored by anyone that you know is is going to listen to this you can gamble as much as you want dude it's it's free money it's a free country <laughs> Look, I did, what, have, I did. I did have a you futures take your bet. house, dude. Come on. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's on your phone. It's not real. Um, no, I I had a futures bet on Michigan to win the national championship. Um, oh, not yeah. a, not a big one uh, because I do not have large amounts of money to gamble with. Well, but that's the great thing about gambling is you could have just gambled as much as you wanted, I, as I long as you want. I could have put in a totally fake number. This is uh, an apropos, like moment for me to note this pod is actually responsible for one of the great sports gambling victories i've ever heard of which is that uh my good friend's girlfriend who is not big into college football but does like to gamble on her phone like after michigan lost to michigan state in 2021 and we were all like dejected about that but um there were very good odds on michigan to win the big 10 because people had given up on them and she made that bet and made a tidy amount of money and it's and i i'm not going to say that my friend didn't have his own insights but i know for a fact that listening to us 
explain why uh, that game was fake and it's the one game that should be expunged from the record of college football. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it helps her make money. So there we not, go. Not any games from 2023. Just just that no. one. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a... Um, uh, I wish I had gambled a little less responsibly because before <laughs> the season I tweeted like I'm going to talk to my financial player about uh planner about how much I can bet on Michigan State's season win total under and uh I didn't do it. I didn't throw thousands of dollars on Michigan State to finish with under as a five and a half wins. Um I should have, but I didn't. Yeah, there were there were certain parts of that season that uh I don't think anybody could have predicted. Um but uh yeah, I, I I had a futures bet on Michigan heading into the national title game. Uh, that you know it was a five dollar bet at plus nine hundred odds, so it was going to pay out forty five bucks. Uh, and uh, I- instead of hedging, I uh, placed another bet on Michigan. <laughs> that it. <laughs> um, that's how you gamble, folks. <laughs> Ignore the math. Never hedge. Go Hedging on vibes. Losers. Never never hedge. <laughs> Uh, it would have been so easy to hedge too. <laughs> it would have been so easy to hedge, and I would—I I could not do that. Uh, I just absolutely refused. All right, we have—we have each picked um, a favorite moment from this season. We have tried not to double up. Um, I should not have put myself first, uh, <laughs> uh, but um. So first, I'm going to give a nod to um, what I would call the bittersweet moment of the century, uh, which was Blake Corum throwing up the uh, 6-5 to the camera uh, when he scored against Ohio State one play after Zach Sinner broke his leg. Um, You know, obviously that was, you know, a moment where the air came out of the stadium and football feels like it matters a little bit less and um you also just uh, you don't have an idea of how a team is going to respond um after something like that and for quorum to rectify that on literally the next play and immediately pay tribute to his teammate um was just a really cool moment and that it was the next play is just like would be too corny for a sports movie like if yes. you put that in friday night lights you'd be like oh come on so many parts of the season were you know if you put it in a sports movie they'd throw out the script um because it's garbage uh it, it's absolutely corny it's it's way over the top and uh it all happens somehow um and the only reason that that isn't my just pure favorite moment of the season is that um, for one thing, I'm getting used to Michigan beating Ohio State, which is absolutely fantastic. I, I can get used to that again. I lived through the '90s; it was it was wonderful. Um, but also, you know, uh, it did come on the heels of Zach Sinner uh, breaking his leg, and was uh, pretty difficult to you know. It, you're still feeling that at that moment um, when you're watching that game. Uh, so for me, my favorite moment of the season uh, was another Blake Corum touchdown, and it was the one that put Michigan up 27 to 13 uh, in the national title game because uh, I had I had the confidence at that point that there was just absolutely no way in hell that the defense was going to give up a two touchdown lead with seven minutes left. Uh, so everything from that point forward was just 
pure euphoria um, in a way that, I mean, it was like if you took the last snap of the Alabama game and just stretched it out into a, like, I don't know, 15 to 20 minute long period of time. Um, and that was, uh, yeah, I've never had more fun as a Michigan fan than, than during the final seven minutes and change of that game after, after Corm put it away. And, um, you know, Corm obviously is, um, you know, one one of two players that I think will be most associated with this team. Um, and it was, it was great to, I mean, to have him obviously be a part of so many, um, huge moments for this team this year. Um, you're so happy for that guy because, I mean, we've all seen the picture of him watching after uh, the semifinal loss and, and just looking out on the field and wanting to experience winning in that situation and finishing it. And, I mean, we've talked about how this was a, a storybook season in a way that uh, is beyond corny. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, Coram had a hell of a storybook arc, and to add to that, he is also one of the uh, best players I've ever watched at Michigan, um, and I've been watching for a little while now. And just like a great dude, which is also like overly corny. Like we needed this team needed like one bad guy on it, but they didn't have it really. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, the the coach stood in as the uh, right, as, right. Jim Harbaugh is the morally the complicated character in this story. Yeah, um, he's kind of like, like Jesus like if you think about it. <laughs> if you think about it, in a lot of ways, <laughs> uh, thank God we're not. Jim Harbaugh anymore. is like sort of a, a Catholic version of Jesus. Who, by the way, this is is block. You know, it is um, it is canon on this podcast that Jesus was Protestant, of course. Uh, but <laughs> but you know, I mean, like he. Jim Harbaugh did die for this team's sins by being kind of the bad guy and kind of taking everyone's sins and, you know, dying and being and almost a fate worse, worse than death as uh, a well advocating order. for labor. Um, yeah, exactly. Resurrected. After on the after three games, he was resurrected. after three oh games. God, he damn. came back. I know. Yeah, <laughs> he came back. And um, I haven't finished the Bible, so I don't exactly know what happened <laughs> after, after that. But I'm assuming I mean, like, look, I, I assume that Jesus must have Jesus must have won the playoff that year. I feel like there's it was he he was a heavy favorite. So uh, man, I, I miss fix theology so much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. So uh, there's that's that's a lot of that's that's how I feel about that situation. Is that <laughs> yep? Yeah. There we go. All right. Uh, <laughs> before uh, we get pulled off of SoundCloud somehow. <laughs> Uh, Alex, what was your favorite moment of the season? So um, we kind of alluded to this game earlier, but my sarcastic answer was Alex Orgy's touchdown to push the score to 49-0 to in East Lansing. Uh, <laughs> right cool. after a personal follow penalty, we would have probably run out the clock. The stadium was, I would say, about 80% empty, 18% Michigan fans, and 2% Michigan State fans. <laughs> by that point um so that was a memory i'll cherish my parents actually took 
my siblings, my girlfriend and I to that game. So the six of us got to enjoy that together. That was a pretty special thing for us. You know, Michigan football has always been a, a huge part of my family and my relationship. But um, my more serious answer. So I actually went to the Penn State game in person uh, via friend of the chat soup group member Nathan Ritzema's plane. Um, we flew out to Happy Valley and I actually watched that game with my uncle who not hasn't always been a big sports guy, but when he got a job being a professor at Penn State, he started getting into it a little bit more. Um, we were like three rows from the top of the stadium in Happy Valley in one of the end zones, like in the Michigan section. And uh, one of my favorite moments from the season, like very subtle, low-key moment, was looking down at the field. The players look like ants from up there. In trying to piece together the fact that we were playing seven offensive linemen at a time under mm-hmm. our offensive line coach, who was the stand-in for our coach that got suspended while he was flying to Penn State, um, just seeing Miles Hinton and Trente Jones out there and like trying to like excitedly explain to my uncle, like, oh my gosh, they're really doing it. They're putting all the beef out there at the same time. <laughs> um, that's what this team was about. Like, we won the national championship throwing 10 passes or completing 10 passes, rather, throwing 18. Like, has to be the lowest of those numbers for a team that has won a BCS title or a college football playoff title. And uh, Michigan ran the damn ball all season, pushed teams around in the trenches. And, you know, that Penn State game, uh, maybe not the most entertaining game, uh, unless you just really appreciate um, running the ball every play. Uh Minus the shot that we took out of the seven OL formation to um, AJ Barner that drew a flag, which was also hilarious. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was a really cool moment, and little did we know it at the time. Like the offensive line, like we were going to need more than our starting five with Zinter's injury. I think Carson Barnhart did a great job, you know, overcoming that Penn State game, moving to guard, playing better at guard, and then. Prentay Jones, who, you know, he had played a little bit, but not a lot throughout the season. Like to see him play well uh, on the biggest stage after Zinter went down, um, it was pretty awesome. And, you know, this team was built around its offensive line. Like you talked a little bit about Corum. (laughs) He's my uh, answer for which player I'll remember, which spoiler alert will will maybe be the next segment. (laughs) Um, But this this was the offensive line, like the big uglies up front. the two transfers, Henderson and Drake Nugent. I always thought it was really funny because Drake Nugent is like the height of a normal person and juxtaposed against a bunch of uh, offensive linemen in the 6'3 quarterback. It was kind of funny to watch him from like the field level camera. Um, he was a really good player. Uh, Keegan, you know, he uh, he held it down up there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling. I could talk about our offensive line for hours, but... <laughs> Seeing this that is Michigan unit, football podcast, this is Michigan football. yeah, like, <laughs> we're not even worried that we're losing all of our starters because it's like, oh, you know, we're just going to be good. That's how it is here. Yeah, um, I mean, we're excited for so many of the guys coming up behind them that it's like, oh, it's nice to be able to see those guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Michigan's backups would have been like the fourth best team in the Big Ten last year, depending on the quarterback play. So the fact that we're replacing a lot of starters, it's like, okay, well, Ernest Hausman, Josiah Stewart, Stewart Derek Moore, like technically not returning starters, but you feel pretty good about guys like that. Offensive line, same thing. Um, it's going to probably pound the rock again next year, no matter who's the coach. Yeah, you you mentioned uh, Michigan only throwing the ball 
um, 20 times in the national championship game and how unusual that is. Uh, I was going to start clicking back and going through as many box scores as I could, but uh, I, I just had to stop at the first one um, because in a 65-7 to win, Georgia attempted 28 passes against TCU. They still threw the ball more than Michigan did, and that was supposed to be a pound-the-rock football team. Uh, so, yeah, th- this was a team that took pound-the-rock and turned it to the extreme, especially in that delightful Penn State game when they ran the ball, what was it, 32 straight times uh, or something like that? Um, yeah, uh, that that went from honestly pretty annoying uh, when they were doing it in the beginning and it wasn't working that great to just one of the more delightful ways to win a football game by the time they were done with it. Yeah, it's really funny to watch a national championship where your team uh, attempts a historically low number of passes and to still think like, you know, guys, we should really run it more here. Like, let's <laughs> conclusions in a row. Let's just hand the ball to Blake or my dad. Run. Like, we should incorporate the QB into our run game. Like, won't we need that to to win? Um, apparently. My dad's tagline in the Washington game, he just kept screaming, run the fucking ball. Like, <laughs> to the point we made it into an acronym. Uh, that's how many times he said it. And you know what? He was right. And they did. And they won. Good thing there's a little voice in the back of Sharon Moore's head that's telling him the same thing. Um, I love that for us. Yeah, it's cool that, like, this team... And, you know, I mean, I was talking to my sister who's uh, a junior at, at Michigan right now and is just, you know, known nothing but success. But it's cool that this is like kind of replenishing the uh, the fount of eventually, you know, like Michigan football fan boomers who just want a, a team that's going to like run the ball repetitively. You know, like we those guys that started to die out, like the, the, the kind of the guys that remember the bow era. Um, and, you know, we would get mad anytime Michigan tried to pass on like a standard down. Those guys had started to die out, you know, it's more of a modern football fan. But now, like, we're going to have generations of Michigan fans that don't that that don't really understand what's going on, but know that you're supposed to run the ball to have a good football team. Uh, and that's beautiful. That's bringing, bringing real ball back. Yeah, when I was a kid, like TV broadcasters would always be like, Michigan, you know, is really renowned for its strong offensive line play historically. And you know, for most of the time I was a fan, that was pretty questionable, but it's questionable no longer. I, th- I feel like Brady Hoke only knew that there was one line. He's like, defensive line, that's the only line there is, right? Is there anything <laughs> else? <laughs> I mean, they recruited well in the offensive line. He yeah, just, he yeah. just, we, they didn't know how to coach them at yeah, all. We, we don't, we don't have to talk about the 2013 <laughs> yeah, we, uh, <laughs> off, uh, rec- offensive line recruiting class on the uh, national championship celebration pod. <laughs> no, no, I no, don't no, think. no, we don't. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Connor, uh, your favorite moment from this year. So, this is some really low hanging fruit, but Michigan's final what a national stand, championship is. <laughs> it is, yeah. Michigan's final goal line stand against Bama, which will go down as it might, you know, like in 20 years for people that aren't even Michigan fans be like the thing they most remember um, in a lot of ways, partly because you could feel at that moment when Michigan made that stand it felt like an era of college football had ended. We didn't know yet how true that really was with Saban mm-hmm. retiring, but it already felt like like I will reference my uncle whom I love and who is a like amateur historian of college f- football and really he knows ball. He's a great dude and he's a big SEC guy. And we had talked for years about how Michigan was, you know, to get to where we wanted to be, we're going to have to match these SEC powers in the trenches, which anyone who knows football 
knew that. And anyone who knows college football doubted that Michigan could do it, or most people did at least. Um, and to see Michigan on that play just completely cave Bama in, like there was a bad snap, yeah, but I don't think he's getting there with a good snap either because Michigan, every single player on that front won their assignment, and they just destroyed Alabama's line. I mean, Josiah Stewart took a likely first-round uh, like you know, five-star tackle who outweighs him by like a hundred pounds and just shoved him into Jalen Milrow, which is like, I don't even know how that's possible. Like Derek Moore just destroyed his guy. The tackles destroyed their guys. Uh, San Russell was in there. It's just like this iconic just destruction of Bama in the trenches when it mattered most. And then immediately afterwards, Kenneth Grant is running, sprinting out to midfield, you know, probably running like a four two forty because he's Kenneth Grant. He's like, the, you know, this just <laughs> a mythical man. Um, you know, with his arms raised and his helmet off. And Michigan, like the team as a whole, got out onto the field faster than I think I've ever seen a football team get on the field to celebrate, which partly speaks to how decisive that stuff was. Like there was no question about like review or anything like that. And like I said, it ended an era of college football. We know now that it truly, truly did. And we're entering a whole new world of 12-team playoffs and no Nick Saban. And who knows what comes next? And who cares? Because Michigan ended that era with triumph. Uh, with Kenneth Grant sprinting to midfield with his helmet off. And, you know, for me, I don't necessarily know in what sense I mean this, but I do know that it ended an era of my life as well. And I think for the better. Um, I, I know for the better in terms of college football. So, yeah, that one, I'm I'm getting teary just talking about it, honestly. Hmm. Yeah, no, the, the end of the Rose Bowl was a particularly, uh... yeah, to do that against Alabama. Yeah, I never I, I'll be real. I did not think they would. I mean, like I, I, I felt that we were the better team than Alabama um, going into it. But I didn't you know, it's one of those things you believe when you see kind of like being Ohio State was for a long time. Like it's it's Nick Saban. It's Alabama. Like they're the bad guys, you know, and it's Nick like Saban with a month to prep. That was what scared me more than anything else was this. This is Nick Saban uh, with with time to cook that that, yeah. that scared the hell out of me. I, I must admit. <laughs> Thank God that uh, Tommy Reese is also in the kitchen, you know, just wh- whipping it up with him. <laughs> just, just dropping utensils yeah. all over the place. He's, <laughs> he's putting cumin into the brownies, you know. In retrospect, we should have done it was over for Saban when his big offseason move was, I'm going to get Tommy Reese and the quarterback that her name doesn't want anymore. <laughs> that, it, was, it was all over at that moment. You know, yeah, but but we got to gas him up because Michigan beat him in the semifinals. So right, uh, greatest coach yeah. ever at the peak of his powers, best team he's yes. ever had. Excuse me, he, excuse me, absolutely. We went undefeated against the SEC, including Georgia, and uh, Michigan's defensive line owned that game, dominated that game. Yeah. And uh, to your point about having a month to prep, execution wasn't always there. There were a couple drops, but Sharon was in his bag that game. Um, oh yeah, that was that was an incredible game plan. I also just want to say like. We all know this, but the thing that no one could say all year, even like after they beat Bama, was Michigan not only, you know, they were the best team in the trenches overall in college football, even if they maybe didn't quite have the best OL, although they may have, but like the best defensive front in college football with a bullet. And the reason no one could say that, even Michigan fans, is because that's so not supposed to happen in this era of recruiting because Bama and Georgia and at times in the past of their Halcyon days, which were long ago, Ohio State. Um, you know, recruit so recruited so well in the trenches on defense. It just isn't supposed to be possible for Michigan to have a front that is decisively better than Bama or Georgia. And they did. This time they absolutely did. And you saw it happen in real time. And uh 
yeah, like Dan said, I thought they had a good chance to beat Bama at least 50-50, but I didn't think they would go out there and prove how much better they were up front. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I mean, yes, Michigan needed a a late score to send it to overtime and then obviously needed to win it in overtime. Um, Michigan also outgained Alabama by uh, over 60 yards in that game, and there weren't many yards gained in that game. Yeah. Uh, like, credit to Bama, but honestly, Michigan could very well have won that game by double digits if they played an average game on special teams. So, yeah, so I, I, <laughs> I, I think it is it is very easy to argue that Michigan was the better team in that game and was uh, the team that deserved to win in every single one of their games. Um, and even in 1997, uh, there were a couple hairy moments. Uh, uh, some people might remember that year's Iowa game. I was there. Uh, it was terrifying. And that Iowa team was very good. Uh, you know, Michigan slept through the Maryland game a little bit, but there was a no point in that game where it felt like that outcome was in doubt. Um, and really, other than the Alabama game, once you got late enough into, really once you got into the fourth quarter, pretty much every Michigan game this year, um, it, until the playoff, uh, you knew they were going to win, uh, and to do that and go fifteen and zero, which has only been done a couple times in in college football history, uh, is a, a pretty amazing accomplishment. Because uh, I mean, you, you got to great, greatest little... greatest Big Ten team ever. I mean, it's, I it's do, quite, yeah. I do almost believe that, I think. I mean, in this, you can make the case in this era of recruiting and how top heavy it is to go out there and do what they did um, against the team that has the highest recruiting rankings ever in this year's Alabama team. Um, that is something. Yeah, no, it's it, it's a, a tremendous accomplishment. And I mean, uh, yeah, the, to do something that not even all national championship teams do that, you know, it, it makes it a little extra special. Um, Taylor, your favorite moment. Um, I will keep this short and sweet, um, because I think it's actually really funny. No one has talked about the Ohio state game yet. Um, that, that game did occur, um, <laughs> did win it. Um, uh, and full disrespect to, um, Ohio state, because it's really funny that we just forgot about it so quickly. Um, I was there. I remember the air going out of um, the big house, not like totally like everyone was yelling and all this sort of stuff. But like, I remember when um, like when Ohio state was like on their final drive um, and, and McCord was kind of seemed like he kind of had it together and things were really starting to click. Um, you know, there was a bit of an unease, um, and then uh, Rod Moore intercepted the football, and that's all I have to say about that. It was a great moment. Um, it was, I, I'm not a big like crier at sports events. Like I try not to be that person. I cried at that one. Um, when when it wasn't just like a batted down ball, and it was an interception that he had his hand under it. Um, that was maybe when I said to myself, yeah, they're going to win a national championship. Like they, they are going to do it. Um, 
that just seeing that happen, just even I was there for the 2021 game too. And it was like, obviously that was incredible. That was wonderful. First time we had done it in God knows how long, but like when that game this year ended, I knew they were winning a national championship. Um, I was terrified the whole time. Um, (laughs) But like, that was like, but like, that was like the first time I really said to myself, like they can do it. They could do it. What is like, what is so great about that to me? And I will start with some respect and then go to disrespect. I think it's pretty clear in hindsight that Ohio state played Michigan better than anyone this year, because they got Michigan's best game with no major mistakes. We had a good game plan. We executed well and Still, they were driving with a chance to win it and had a very good chance to win it, if we're being honest, before the interception happened. Um, that is, and this is a very, you know, very good Ohio State team. It's the best one that they've had in the last few years. And you know what? It didn't fucking matter. You guys <laughs> went and lost to Mr. Jim's Pizza Bowl to Missouri. You scored three points against them. Like, it's, a, it's so beautiful that Ohio State had a, had a genuinely, you know, very good team, genuinely much, be- much improved defense. Kyle McCord is a lot better than any Ohio State fan thinks he is because he's not, you know, CJ Stroud, you know, heaven forfend, right? But like, and they played a great game against us. They had a chance to win it and it didn't matter. And they ended their season furious and sad and having let themselves believe that, you know, Michigan would somehow not win this game or the game wouldn't be played or like whatever fantasies they had about it. It didn't fucking matter. Michigan won. And I'm with Taylor, like as much as, the Rose Bowl was like more beautiful, a bit more beautiful moment in a lot of ways. It was so aesthetically perfect for so many reasons. Uh, I've never, I don't know if I've ever needed a sports game more than I did the Ohio State game this year. Yeah, that I was, was the guy, yeah. that was one that I, I didn't enjoy watching that game at all. I was just <laughs> like the 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 cataclysm that would have taken place if we had lost that game is almost unthinkable. But good thing we don't have to worry about that. I, I removed myself from the situation in that game and watched it by myself on a basement television because I was uh, not going to be okay around other people. Um, yeah, I uh, was actually in Ann Arbor for the game watching with my college friends at a bar because we all decided not to get tickets. Oh, God. I had quite a few tequila shots and IPAs and chicken wings uh, leading up to that glorious moment. And uh, it felt like that game had so much more riding on it than any other Michigan Ohio state game ever had. It was the second straight year. It was 11 and 0 versus 11 and 0, but given the whole backdrop of Jim's suspension and the reasons why and Ohio state's uh, possible involvement in leaking that story and getting Jim suspended. Like yeah, the fact that, that Ryan day may allegedly be a snitch and allegedly be a huge crybaby, uh, as, as Alex is indicating, go ahead, Alex. Sorry. Yeah. It's just, it's just really strange that Ohio state fans were messaging Dan and I in like early September being like, Hey, the Ohio state board guys are saying something really bad's going to happen to Michigan. Have you guys heard anything about this? I'm like, so, so should we do a quick aside about like, I, but so, so to be clear, it doesn't matter that like Ohio State that, you know, I mean, look, like if Michigan broke the rules, it, it doesn't really matter who leaked it to him. It, it, clearly, the NCAA doesn't care. But like, I do think it's a, like you now are in this mode because Ohio State lost and like they don't think it's like cool anymore that like that Ryan Day potentially did this, that they're like, well, like you uh, it's like it's like this is pretty like irresponsible of you to like just speculate that Ryan Day. It's like, dude, like I fucking Jeremy Birmingham or whatever the hell the guy's name is on two four seven and like the 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 Bucknuts guys were all like 
like you know cryptically hinting at this for you know months ago it's i i I feel like i have a pretty good idea of why they might have known something was coming i mean like one of their like old school recruiting guys on a board who has not left the state of ohio since like 2007 was like had this before anybody else yeah bill green was on it he was he was on it it's just like what am I supposed to conclude? It, like it was obviously, allegedly, allegedly, obviously Ryan Day. Like and I'm, I'm going to disagree with Dan. I do think it matters because it is. I'm, we don't need to belabor this, but it is like one of the whiniest crybaby moves I've ever seen in the history of sports. The one thing I would analogize it to is when the Houston Rockets sent a report to the NBA saying that actually they won the championship because that was you know, amazing. Uh, that was yeah. It's <laughs> oh my like similar, God. Yes. <laughs> similar vibes, right? Where it's like, actually uh, we won these games because Michigan was, was the first team in the history of college football to break the rules. And like, we're not going to go to that rabbit hole and litigate all of that. But like, I do think it was just one of the most pathetic things I've ever seen in sports. And I'm not going to put that on like, you know, it's not like Jack Sawyer's fault that his coach did that his coach allegedly did that. But it absolutely allegedly is Ryan Day's fault for being that way and doing that. And I hope he dies mad. And, and, and he has set the tone for the fan base. But even though they seem to hate him, uh, he also seems to set the tone for him because uh, they're all mock ball cops now. It, it's incredible. Yeah, they are all Paul Blart. Uh, every single <laughs> Ohio State fan is Paul Blart. Uh Oh, Blart, that's like watching Fox News circa 2014 and just exposed to a relentless amount of Benghazi <laughs> propaganda. Um, I think that's what it is. I just like thinking about the like low-level Ohio State staffers who put together the dossier on Michigan of like all of their scout- scouting and intel, and they're sending it to the Alabama people like, please, Nick Saban, beat them. Please save us, Nick. No, it's uh, I, I I love that that they they really took the loss as as hard as you possibly could, and they're down very bad for a team that is very good, and that is really the perfect position to have Ohio State in, which is uh, a team that you can get a signature victory against, and you feel like you have the edge to get that victory, uh, quite possibly even when your team isn't. Uh, um, talented as talented one for one on the field because uh right now michigan uh not only has a three-game winning streak against ohio state but i would say they're in ohio state's head um and that that's lovely that's that, ohio, yeah. ohio state fans are in the uh are in the special hell that connor and i talked about on our first ever podcast together way back in 2019 um where you know you're you're good but you're just not quite good enough um and Sucks, doesn't it? You know, it's not fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I think they have a chance to close the gap with Missouri this coming year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, delightful. Uh, Dan, your favorite moment? Yeah, my favorite moment. Um, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna double up here because I can't. I this I I don't think I'd be doing it justice if I like lied and said it was something else. My favorite moment of the season. My favorite favorite moment maybe of like being a. A Michigan fan in you know my entire life was um, that fourth down stop against Alabama. Um, mm-hmm. I think I, I wrote down something different, but I, I just have to talk about it. You know, I, I mean, you wrote I, down the drive to tie it up, so you were yeah the drive that to tie direction it. anyway. That's, that's, <laughs> but the, the I'll say, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It it just felt like so. I mean, it, I don't think I really felt like they could win until they tied it up, and then. You know, and then even that the botched the 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 muffed punt 
from Jake Thaw and like all I'm just like they're gonna find a way to lose this game it's Alabama they just don't lose and I, I'm like you know like but really like they've just they've given us everything they can give us and you know what that stop like I don't I'm not like an overly emotional guy and I don't I, I don't really cry much well actually that's not true I'm very emotional um, <laughs> I've never but, considered you to be like a yeah. guy who does heated tweets or anything like. yeah 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 like I'm I, I but like during games I don't know like I outwardly i'm pretty like stoic i would say um but i did like cry after that after that stop and it was really incredible um and yeah i don't know it just felt like i couldn't believe like when i saw michigan you know sideline like running onto the field like i i couldn't believe that those were michigan players running onto the field on onto the rose bowl to celebrate a win over nick saban's alabama like that didn't seem possible to me you know like to see it's it, it's one of those things that like i said like i i couldn't really picture it until you see it like beating alabama is just you know even more than beating ohio state that first time it, it was just like it's it's something you it's something you couldn't really imagine happening um especially coming from like you know i mean honestly one of my i would say formative experiences in like sort of understanding how college football works is you know i've been a fan since 2011 right so you, i i kind of joined it a, a good time ish you know like we like our, our the first year that i was a fan was really good like magical and th- things just sort of seemed to work out for the most part and then that next year like i was very much excited for the season and real heads remember that the, the first game of the 2012 season was getting absolutely shit stomped by eventual national champion alabama um in jerry's world i, was uh, I think yep yeah, ace was there i don't uh i don't know Worst if, choice if, of my life yeah so like i and, was and so, legitimately worried for player safety in that game yeah yeah it was bad that was a bad i it's so funny i i the highlights came up on my youtube algorithm and i was like i don't really remember like the specifics of this game like let me see like was it really as bad as i remember and it mm. really was yeah it really really was <laughs> oh yeah but like so, you know, that was like one of the, like, I kind of came into that game thinking like, oh, Michigan's like just, they, they, it feels like they've just really got like a team that believes in themselves and like, you know, the things just worked out last year and like, you know, no, no one's saying we have a shot, but like no one said we have a shot last year. And, and then like the cold, hard reality of the hierarchy of college football made itself like abundantly clear over the course of an, you know, three hour long ass kicking. And that's like the Alabama that lived in my brain and like and and i think that was sort of a symbol of how unattainable like really reaching the top of college football would be for michigan and then everything that happened after that and like you know my college years where michigan was very bad and then good but not good enough and you know just like all the heartbreak and everything like that moment was extremely cathartic and like i truly couldn't believe it it happened and like i kept i was i had been I, I either drink a lot or don't drink at all for games because I get nervous. Um, so when I start drinking, I have to keep drinking to like just like nerve because I'm nervously sipping the entire game and I usually get drunker than I probably should. Um, and and this game was a game where I I was drinking with friends and like I kept just like asking them like did they is it like over is it like really over you know like did they throw any flags like is it did they is the NCAA here uh, you know is. <laughs> 
is is Big Ten underscore Ryan running out on the field to protest? Um, <laughs> and you know all, all of that. So, names. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I've, I mean Ryan, I, I obviously Ryan, one of my very very good friends, but you know is not immune from uh, uh, getting. Homer. Getting it thrown back at him. So anyway, but yeah, no, it was it was it was it was a cathartic moment, and like that was my favorite moment, maybe of my entire Michigan fandom, and just that Michigan could be something more than what even what we're used to, like good Michigan being. I had the same feeling, Dan, when you saw them in their classic maize and blue, uh, you know, home uniforms, hmm. running out there, and you see Bama in their iconic road uniforms, and I was just like. This just doesn't look right, man. I mean, it made me that much happier, but it's like it didn't visually look. No, like it what didn't I like make sense. It didn't make sense. Yeah, and like you said, like Bama doesn't lose. Like this was not even one of Saban's. Well, I, I shouldn't say this; it's heresy, but it, it honestly wasn't one of his better teams. Probably because it was a young team. But like this was the you know shortly after Saban had pulled a, another rabbit out of his hat, like you know for the nth millionth time in his career to beat a Georgia team that was back to back national champions and undefeated prior to that point, and it's like every reason to believe that Saban had more rabbits left in that hat. Right. And he kind of did because he used his warlock powers uh, to make Michigan have the worst special teams game I've ever seen them have. And it still didn't matter. And I'm still watching Michigan celebrate because they were decisively the better team, especially in the trenches where it counts the most. And it's just like, I, I've replayed that scene in my head so many times. It still does not make sense to me. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. If you had told me while leaving jerry world that within a decade michigan would be a playoff program and within 15 years they'd win a national championship i would have laughed in your face uh especially if you mentioned that nick saban would still be coaching alabama at that time and that michigan would have to play them um it, and some harbaugh's our coach yeah yeah and that they did it while while continuing to just throw rock um, and tell you that they're going to throw rock. Um, and yeah, yeah, the, I, I could not imagine. I mean, even at the point where I thought that there was, you know, a small chance, but a chance that Jim Harbaugh could turn around his tenure at Michigan from the nadir of 2020. Um, I assumed he would have to become less like himself uh, to modernize Michigan's program and make it competitive. And instead, he somehow became like the most Jim Harbaugh version of Jim Harbaugh. And this was the most Jim Harbaugh team that Michigan has had. And that this was the one to win a national championship absolutely blows my mind. Yeah, I mean... I, I certainly have never had any doubts, famously, about you know Michigan's <laughs> ability to consistently win while running the ball. Um, there's definitely not a book about that. Dan's over there, like tweeting, "It's over during the fucking Maryland game <laughs> of all." <laughs> like, the Maryland Terrapins are going to end it all right now. <laughs> uh, a, a game that I think we cared about more than any single player or staff member did, as long as they came I mean, away with a win. And that's part of like Jim Harbaugh's like one of his quirks is like if you know back to back years is if he's ten and zero going into the game before Ohio State like he is totally okay losing that game and technically he was not the head coach on the sideline for that game but like he was so okay losing that Illinois game that I was at freezing my ass off he would have been completely unperturbed but you know what they won and they won the Maryland game and they won everything else this year so it worked out. <laughs>
it 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 very very much worked out all right we are uh i think going to attempt to do this with relative speed because we are uh closing in on 90 minutes here um but uh we we gotta we gotta remember some guys, um, or preemptively remember some guys because I hope you haven't forgotten who played for this team already. Uh, but uh, once again, we're trying not to double up, um, which means Dan's probably going to double up, and uh, <laughs> uh, we each chose a player, maybe two, um, that uh, we are going to specifically remember from this team. Uh, Taylor, you picked two, but they are two that uh, very much go together. I did. Um, someone on Twitter uh, said that they're like the ice climbers, um, and I agree with that. Um, so uh, Kenneth Grant and M- Mason Graham should be allowed to be drafted together like the Sedin twins in hockey <laughs> because they they go together. Um, I have never experienced such joy watching like two trench players play football with the like the combination of like power and speed both being big guys um in my life um they're a joy they're an absolute joy and like (sighs) Kenneth Grant was like my guy of the season where like you could like Michigan always does that like thing of just like like naming every single guy on the roster um, when they have media appearances, like Jim Harbaugh, like rattles off like the third string walk on tight end and says, he's going to be a star. And then like two, four, seven, write something about that guy, you know, like what we do every year. And like the, the quote I remember most specifically was like, Kenneth Grant, like, uh, like lost, I think he lost like 20 to 30 pounds and was like, I'm faster than ever. Um, And like, they were all like, he's faster than ever. And I was like, sure like that sounds great I'm really excited for him and then it turns out he was faster than ever um he is faster than faster than like five-star running back Katron Allen for the <laughs> he, he made multiple downfield plays in both directions this yeah. year it's just yeah. absolutely wild the amount that like something was happening downfield and you saw like Kenneth Grant have happening it just incredible and then can, can you imagine being an offensive player and, and turning around as as what you expect to, to think is the the end of a play is approaching <laughs> and, and <laughs> kenneth grant is coming at you with 40 yards of steam behind him i i just <laughs> I, I i would dig a hole and quit football uh <laughs> like you it, see there's just no way you see the bright daylight of the open field in front of you, and suddenly the shadow begins to loom. It's just an eclipse. Yeah. It rocks. It absolutely rocks. And, like, just, like, the interior, the, like, just, like, even, like, the pass rush, like, all of the things that they did as interior players, phenomenal. Like, those guys aren't even to... eligible to go pro. They're not. <laughs> There's, like, a f- another full year of them, and it, that is just a gift. I think that is so exciting, and, like, it, it, they're so good to watch and like again we've been kind of obviously for obvious reasons avoiding thinking about the future of this team um the defense is mostly coming up intact or with guys that have had meaningful on like on-field experience and those two are going to be leaders next year um and that's going to be really really exciting to watch regardless of what happens um this season like mason graham against alabama just like a revelation just so good that like it's not right 
Um, but but yeah, those two, like I said, um, should be allowed to be drafted together whenever the time comes that they both leave. Um, like a one two. Um, unfortunately, they would probably go to what what team sucks like the Falcons. I don't know, probably still, but like you know, they'll have fun. Um, but they belong together. They're like <laughs> they're they're the synergy that the two that the two of them have. Like you can't mention one without the other, in my opinion. Both have like outstanding solo like highlight reels but like together that is just like not right that, that's that's just not right they're too good they they are the temptation and hawaiian war chant of the michigan defensive line and uh honestly it, it is super exciting to have them back next year they gotta uh, figure out a way to get ken grant some snaps on offense next year as a full oh, oh yes please or or just a tailback just just, just <laughs> yeah. a single back just just let them all know. Uh, all right, uh, Connor, uh, I'm going to say it, it speaks very highly to the person that you're going to mention that uh, you did not choose your literal son, Colston Loveland, uh, as the I, answer I do to love, question. I do love my beautiful Mormon son, Colston Loveland, and uh, I am excited to watch him next year. But is, a guy I can't is, watch. Is Colston Loveland Mormon? Is that, is that is that an assumption we're making? Is that, is that a serious is that a serious question, Dan? He is. We're gonna move on before we say anything. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not allowed to talk about. Wow. All right. Yeah, I guess. No. I guess the, the bucket problem's gone woke. Dan's not allowed to talk about Mormonism. <laughs> <laughs> Another victim of wokeness. Uh, thick Staskus. Um, but okay. So first of all, I want to shout out us because like this is a Michigan football podcast. Rather than our star quarterback we've discussed the dts and the offensive line like voluminously which is beautiful thank you all for doing that this guy that i don't get to watch next year was out on the perimeter not in the trenches except when he was that is the magical mikey sandristal who is a guy we're just never going to see him again um yeah there will be position switches again there will be like nobody recruits who rise to be leaders and stars again but like this guy was like from you know some obscure high school in massachusetts he was ranked in like the 500s uh the the scouting report on him was like decent speed but short and that was like it exists (laughs) right and like he comes in he starts to initially have way more success as a receiver than anyone expects and actually contributes in several key moments as a receiver including in the 2021 ohio state game uh he caught that flea flicker which was very sick um and then he switches positions, and we assume it's going to be a disaster because that's usually a disaster. You're filling in for Dax Hill, you know, five-star first-round pick Dax Hill, and it's like there's no way this is going to work, right? But, like, he was better at Michigan than Dax Hill. That's – which is and, – and, you know, he was the best I, – I have to believe the best nickelback in college football this year and put together a ridiculous stat line throughout his career because he put up numbers on both offense and defense and did so many iconic things this year. Um Clutch interceptions against Maryland. He stopped Iowa from having any prayer at scoring with a forced uh, turnover. But of course, what we're going to remember him most for is being the guy who sealed the national championship game against Washington. And it was really special for a guy who is a leader, who seems like a great dude, who is one of Michigan's two short king captains, which, by the way, I want to note that has always cracked me up this year that like every <laughs> other team sends out their gigantic demanding captains. We have Blake Corm and Mike Sainer still out there who are like five, seven in cleats, two genuine short Kings. Um, but beautiful. And, you know, he... and hold on to be clear. A lot of people would say, I don't, I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's, I wouldn't say that's like short, but whatever. It's <laughs> <laughs> a normal people call it the like perfect it's a, height. It's a normal, yeah. a lot of people like that. A lot of people say that's a normal height Yeah, for it's, anyone. It's, it's, 
exactly. So Nan is correcting me here, but um, to see him seal the national championship game, my friend who is kind of an auxiliary Michigan fan, cause he's kind of picked it up through me, but is not like a, you know, a diehard, like I am texted me when that happened. He was like, you know, I feel like I've been watching Mike Sanders still for a million years at this point. I can't imagine the connection you have to. And I was like, you know, damn, he is right, man. I mean, that guy, I could go on and on about him, but I wish him all the success in the world. He's going to be successful at whatever he does and truly goes down as a Michigan legend. Uh, and he was always there when we needed him this year. Yeah, I would say that the it, it's funny that, you know, the play that he'll be most remembered for um, possibly save uh, once we get some distance, uh, the incredible pass breakup that he had against Ohio State uh two seasons ago yes yes um but that that we are going to remember uh an interception on a ball that was basically thrown right to him um and uh you know of course it was mike sanders still who was there but that was um you know the plays of his that showed up in the box score and there were a whole bunch of his that didn't uh that was you know, one of the least impressive ones, I would say, from this season, because he was, but most of the things that, um, that happened with him, he, he made it happen. Um, he, he, I mean, I don't know how a dude that small could be that physical, but, um, uh, yeah, the, as we've been saying, just a player that we're not going to see somebody like him again, just because, um, talk about an unusual path to becoming an all-american nickel um that 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 is incredible um and Alex, one kind of oh, sorry. underrated sorry one quick thing on Sanders. so and one kind of underrated thing about him is that he was basically the coach on the field calling out pass covers yes. michigan was running nfl stuff and they couldn't have done that without him getting everybody aligned yeah no he was absolutely coach on the field for the defense and uh it was easy to see that just uh, watching them before the snap. Um, Alex, I'll throw it right back to you. You've got, uh, I would say, the other, uh, uh, you know, home run grand slam answer to this question. Yeah, I didn't want to go with some like esoteric answer as much as, you know, I feel like some of our listeners would have appreciated that. <laughs> we already talked a little bit about Blake Corum. Obviously, had quite a few iconic moments this year. I think the run against Alabama summed up who he was as a player, you know, getting the the linebacker to commit to the wrong gap. Um, Barry Sanders-esque jump cut and then uh, finishing through contact after getting ahead of steam following his blocks into the end zone. I think uh, that was the Blake Corum play. But instead of focusing on that or the Ohio State run or the uh, the two touchdowns to win me a small parlay in the national championship. Hmm. Um, I'm really glad Mike got tackled at the seven yard line on that play. That was great. <laughs> um, just his four year arc. Uh, and I wrote this in the notes, his four year arc was quite the hero's journey. Like I remember as a freshman during the COVID season, we're like, okay, you know, he came in with a little bit of hype, but he's getting carries over Zach Charbonnet. That's interesting. Like what's going on there. Um, to <laughs> being like, the, backup change of pace back in the best possible way to Hassan Haskins as a sophomore. Um, for my money, he was the best player in the country in 2022. Like just watching him play, yeah. like watching some of the top end speed at that point had been sacrificed just to, to bulk up, but he was a great between the tackles runner. Um, 
if if you saw him one-on-one you would miss every single time like every defender in 2022 was sunny styles trying to fill the gap and just not like jack campbell jack jack campbell got juked out of his shorts against blake Corum in 2022 uh but then obviously the the injury against illinois um failing to win the national championship in 2022 with with Blake on the sidelines and then for him to come back and to be a bell cow back less than a, a calendar year after blowing out his knee it's just incredible like I know um sports medicine has evolved and, and guys can come back from that a little bit better than they used to and you could tell that he wasn't quite as electric in the open field but he was a great player scored 20 some touchdowns set the record like and and to hit, have him, you know, come back from injury, uh, running backs have pretty short shelf life. And it was kind of a surprise in some ways that he came back to Michigan after that. Um, I know NIL helps and that's, you know, kind of part of the calculus these days, but it wasn't a given that he would come back, no. especially after blowing out his knee. Uh, if not for the fact that he was Blake Corum and like ultimate Michigan guy, ultimate team guy, like the superlatives about who he is off the field <clears throat> you could go on and on about that as well um but yeah to have you know the the run to seal the game against Penn State to score that touchdown after his inter's injury to have you know those moments not only the the touchdown run against Alabama but two pretty huge catches as well and then uh you know Donovan Edwards with a little bit of a cameo kind of harkening mm-hmm for that 2022 season in the national championship game. But, uh, you know, we, we finished with Blake and I couldn't, couldn't do it any other way. I think, um, you know, for my money, I haven't given this a lot of thought, but he's got to be the best Michigan player I've ever seen, man. Like in terms of what he meant to the team, he was the heartbeat of the team and in terms of his ability and in terms of what he meant to the program, like, you know, back to Woodson, like that that's the only guy and i was too young to remember charles Woodson. so yeah. uh it's blake for me and uh he's the guy i'm gonna remember like as much as i like want to say like yeah i'm really gonna remember aj barner and quentin johnson and all of those guys like no like blake and mike saner still when i think about this team in 40 years hopefully if i'm still around like i'm gonna think about those two yeah i think uh yeah no, th- those are the two headliners um and yeah, I, I mean, Corum. I, I thought you were going to go in a different direction with your historical context, which is Corum might be the best running back in Michigan football history, and that is a remarkable list of college running backs. Uh, I know Michigan hasn't had the most pro success at that position, but um, a lot of that has been due to injury or bad luck or guys just being the type of players who peak in college. Um, and... Obligatory, obligatory shout out to Craig Ross. Uh, if you've made it this far into the pod, Craig, uh, you can feel free to uh, forward any complaints to me. I will address them about Ace's slander of like uh, Tom Willie Hunter Heston. Yeah, Willie Heston. <laughs> yeah, no, I, Chris, I, I, I Chris know the Perry. Answer. Chris Perry was nice with it. People forget about that. Um, and yeah, the hero's journey to have Mike Hart as the mentor on the hero's journey. Like, can't write it any better than that. Yeah, no, we haven't mentioned yet that Mike Hart and Denard Robinson are national champions that's uh that's fucking awesome like yeah that i'm just so happy about that uh all right uh dan uh i'll let you go and then i'll uh wrap this one up yeah um 
but you guys took all the good answers. Uh, <laughs> but I'll I'll give kind of my like more touchy feely answer. Um, Trenchy Jones is my guy. Uh, a guy that I really felt like had a good year in 2022, and probably I thought was in line to start. Um, coaches bring in two tackles. Uh, he ends up not starting. He ends up kind of coming in as a sixth offensive lineman. Um, and in this day and age, like that sort of, you know, like he, he wasn't starting the spring game and he started a large portion of the 2022 uh, season. And he probably could have started, I mean, he damn well could have started for Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And maybe if he does, they win that game. Um, he could have started for Ohio State. Uh, he could have started for a lot of con- a lot of programs all over the country. Started center for Alabama. <laughs> yeah, and for him to just stay with the program, um, and I I wouldn't have blamed him for transferring, you know, um, and for him to stay stick with the program and be, uh, you know, dedicated and 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 kind of just step up in the biggest possible way when his number is called, you know, when when Zinter goes down, um, play a great rest of the game against Ohio State. Go up against, uh, you know, then go go up go up against uh, Dallas Turner in the Rose Bowl, and you know the Dallas Turner probably gets the best of him overall, but like, I don't know, I mean, he, he was pretty he, quiet. He did, yeah, yeah I, was, mean, I don't know that he did. I feel like that, <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he did a damn good job. You know, like, certainly I mean, by Dallas Tur- Turner standards, that was not a game he wanted to have. No, no, I I agree. You're you're probably right. I mean. I don't know. It's just, it just, it's, it's really like it speaks to the culture of the program. And honestly, I'm, I'm not even just going to give the, the credit to the program. Like, I'll, it speaks to Trent A. Jones um, and yeah. like who he is, you know, as a player. Um, and like, again, that's not to disparage kids that go elsewhere to get playing time. Like, I have absolutely nothing against that. But like, for a guy to bet on himself that way and just be there when the team needed him and play the, perform the way he did, um, you know, I hope he, I hope he makes millions of dollars in the NFL. Uh, he deserves it. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, following him on other social media platforms seems like he has had his own struggles with, you know, personal issues. And um, now I don't want to, you know, intrude upon his privacy too much. Uh, but like, yeah, I don't know. Hard not to be a huge fan of the kid. Um, and I'm, I'm extremely, uh, yeah, forever grateful to him because they, they don't win the national title without Trenta Jones. No, absolutely. And uh yeah, it is not anti player uh to appreciate those uh, the guys who stick around. Um you know. Those uh, who stay, as as, as some <laughs> might say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was trying not to. <laughs> um, it's crazy that someone said that and no one knows who it was. It's yeah, like, it's wild. It's, it's like wild. how people say, like, you know, like the like Oh, I'm trying to think of like those Aesop's fables. Like you don't really know who wrote them or like who Aesop is. Like there, there's, there's just quotes out there. You just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They're just all around Michigan's athletic campus and and nobody has any idea where they came from. Cannot be attributed. It's like Wikipedia. At this point, the quote belongs to this, to the team that more than, you know, to, to the program more than it does to the original person. You know what I mean? That I think is fair. Yeah. Uh, I think once you put it up on the wall in St. Ristol Hall, the, Fa- uh, practice facility yeah. that we all know and love um then it becomes a quote for all yes uh, all right uh i i listed four guys i could possibly go with here and i intentionally did not put quorum or saner still because i knew they'd be taken uh, and then i was waiting for uh, everybody else to make their picks um and two of my people 
have not been named yet. Um, one was my uh, hipster left field pick. Uh, when I think about the national championship game, uh, Keon Sav is a guy who is going to come to mind for me uh, because he was a player who only started a handful of games this year, uh, was not, you know, was not a player who came to the forefront of your mind when you thought about this defense or even when you thought about this defense really goddamn hard. Um, but Quentin Johnson gets a little banged up towards the end of the season. And Sab has to step into a bigger role, uh, particularly in the national championship game. And um, he had a missed open field tackle that led to an early first down for Washington. And you're kind of worried that maybe they were going to pick on him a little bit at that point. Uh, and instead, he sets a career high in tackles and breaks up two passes um, and was generally uh, nails in that game. And uh, I think that was uh, a real testament to uh, both Keon Sab himself and uh, the coaching of this team that they were able to have uh, a guy who was really not that experienced step in and very much looked like he belonged uh, on the the biggest possible stage at this level. Um, and I, we've been avoiding talking about the future, but that that does give me uh plenty of optimism for um how this program will do going forward and it's amazing we haven't named this guy yet. uh it, the more obvious answer is the the fucking quarterback jj mccarthy uh who uh you know it, for a lot of teams would have been the the face of of the program um, but Michigan happened to have Blake Gorham on this on this offense and also Mike Sainer still. Um, and I think, you know, McCarthy's arc that mirrors this team's over the last few years in a lot of ways where uh, he came in, obviously, with a lot of height. Um, and then there's... Uh, uh, I would say a lot of doubt, particularly about uh, re regarding a five star, um, emerged when he didn't immediately beat Cade McNamara for the starting job, and in fact, played behind him for uh, a whole year, um, even though McNamara was a relatively limited player, especially compared to McCarthy, um, and. I know I've spent a good part of the last three years, um, especially in uh, 2021 and 2022, um, trying to convince people that J.J. McCarthy is extremely talented and uh, good. Um, <laughs> and that and that conversation continued way longer than it should have. Um, but McCarthy really, uh, I mean, we've talked about guys who ha have made sacrifices for this team. Um, we've also talked about how, how Michigan threw the ball 18 times in the national championship game. Um, there are not a lot of five-star quarterbacks who would have walked into a program like that um, in the first place. 
and not a lot of guys who would have I mean, I never saw any outward issue from J.J. McCarthy with how this offense was being run. And I know I personally wanted to see J.J. McCarthy doing more. Um, and you know that guy is competitive as hell, and you have to imagine that it's eating at him to a certain extent, that uh, Michigan kind of wants to limit his impact on the game as much as possible uh, in a lot of ways. But he was the perfect steward for this offense. And also just, I, I mean, of the 10 most remarkable throws that I've seen a Michigan quarterback make, he, he's probably got at least five of them. Uh, you know, there's a couple... Uh, you know, just in terms of his pure arm strength, you know, because he's had a couple throws to Roman Wilson in the end zone this year. Um, the throw he made on the inaccurate throwback from uh, Donovan Edwards that he somehow got downfield while getting hit. I thought that he caught one handed too. Yeah, yeah. Like... I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I thought that was going to be a disastrous fumble six. Like that. That's where that play was headed with most quarterbacks, and he completed a pass off that. Uh, you know, when, when and to do that when you go so long between being asked to do things a lot of the time, like that's really, you hear a lot of quarterbacks talk about getting into rhythm. And in college football these days, that's attempting, you know, 35, 40 passes, uh, at least once you get outside of a large portion of the Big Ten. Um, and, Michigan doesn't play that way at all. Uh, and I don't think a lot of quarterbacks would have been particularly happy in this situation. And J.J. McCarthy had a smiley face drawn on his hand um, and always seemed uh, just both really happy to be a part of this program and to be part of leading this program. And... Uh, um also just incredibly level about um, any sort of pressure. Uh, you know, he seemed to let trash talk kind of, you know, he, he'd get his shots in, but it was kind of more on, he was kind of more of a let it slide guy. Um, and he could have talked a lot of crap. He could, he could have left. Um, and, Instead, he's a national championship winning quarterback. He's in the conversation for greatest Michigan quarterback or at least greatest single season, um, despite, again, the fact that Michigan uh, largely did not want to throw the ball um, just because of how the offense was designed. Uh, again, and, Craig, we apologize for the Benny Friedman slander. Yeah, Benny Friedman slander, <laughs> I know. Yes, uh, uh, and Rick Leach, and I'm sure many others. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, McCarthy's in that conversation. I, I personally think he's the most talented quarterback uh, to play at Michigan. Um, obviously, uh, the, there's a whole Tom Brady discussion that I just do not want to engage with at all. Um, and I won't because I, I can do what I want, uh, especially this year. Uh, and 
I'm excited to see what he'll do in the pros uh, because I think he is um, where the quarterback position has been heading for a long time, and he has not exactly had a chance to show all of his stuff at Michigan. Um, but that's that's a future thing uh, for right now. I'm just uh, feeling very fortunate that I got to watch him and the rest of this team. Um, and with that, uh, you know, we're, we're closing in on two hours here. Um, it's almost 10 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, and, uh, I know I'm a little emotionally spent. Um, so I think that's it for this, uh, special one-off, uh, edition of the bucket problem. Um, thank you to my co-hosts. Um, it's been awesome to get to do this and talk through this with you guys. Thank you, Ace. I just want to jump in and say I do. I love you guys, and do, going on this journey with you has made it way better. Um, I won't belabor the point, but it, it really has helped. So, shout out to all of you. Yeah, no, I I feel the same way. It's um, last few years wouldn't have been the same without y'all, and uh, I'm glad that. We made the we made the decision to do this. Uh, it's another thing that feels like uh, you know we're closing the loop on, and uh, it's been a a good good couple weeks for that. Um, so thanks again to my co-host. Thank you to everybody who is listening to this. Um, thank you to uh, the guys at MGo Blog for letting me write. If you haven't seen that, um, I ask you go check it out um and uh we did it uh national champions uh it's it's still very surreal and um it sure hasn't worn off in the uh nine days since it happened and i don't know when it will and i i hope it doesn't for a while so uh I forgot how I end these things, but uh, thank you for listening to The Bucket Problem, and uh, go blue.